what is good? Welcome to Spirit Bill Real Talk with Juliana. I am your host, Juliana Page, and I am so excited that you are here. I am an author, a speaker, and a professional life coach, but really, I am here to give you practical wisdom that you can integrate into every area of your life so that you can thrive and not just survive. So if you are ready, to live a spirit-led life and level up your inner game so that you can win in your outer game. Let's dive right in. What is good, everybody? Welcome back to the Spirit-Filled Real Talk podcast with Juliana. We are going to talk about hope today okay specifically what it means to be a prisoner of hope now i know if you're anything like me i have had a interesting relationship with hope because typically what the world calls hope is not hope at all it's like clearly and blatantly doubting right so i want to establish up front (laughs) that godly hope is not the same quality as what the world calls hope okay Usually, yes, when we hear people say that they're hoping for something, like, well, I hope so, or we'll see, right? When they're hoping something will or won't happen, they are vaguely hoping, but clearly doubting, right? We can hear that. We can even feel it. They speak negatively and complain about almost everything and then wonder why nothing works out for them. However, true biblical hope, the hope that we're going to talk about today, is a solid foundation, So solid, in fact, it is a springboard for our faith to take off from and actually take hold of the promises of God. So it's what launches us into increased faith that allows us to sustain a waiting process that's involved in manifesting or receiving the promises of God in the physical, right? It's one thing to get a glimpse of a vision to come up higher, right, and get God's vision as it is in heaven. And then it's another thing to endure and embrace and pray your way through and sacrifice for the manifestation of the promise on earth as it is in heaven. There's a process, right? There is a delay as far as we're concerned with that happening. So the harsh truth is that nobody likes waiting, right? Like, I don't know that I've seen anybody. (laughs) really like waiting, right? We want it now, similar to that gal in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, right? She's a really good example of what a temper tantrum looks like in the waiting process, but nobody likes waiting. It feels good to get what we want. Like, that's true. We, we can just accept that. But when our expectations are delayed for a long time, like years of time, we can experience disappointment, disillusionment, and loss of hope. Okay, and in some cases, prolonged waiting for what we eagerly desire can become such an affliction to us that it differs differs little from a lingering sickness. Okay, that scenario is what Solomon actually calls hope deferred makes the heart sick. That's what he says in Proverbs 13, 12. Okay, and the term deferred in the passage means to put off or to drag out. Okay, so what that means is, as in a long, drawn-out process, okay, hope deferred can look like many things. It can look like a prayer of salvation for a loved one that continues unanswered year after year. It can be an agonizing job search filled with endless interviews and rejections. It could be a long-term battle with a sickness. It could be a heartbreaking string of miscarriages. 
as we eagerly hope for something, right? Something important, a desire of our heart, and it keeps being postponed, the longing we feel can make our heart sick. So I'm not making an excuse for people that say, well, I hope so. I hope that doesn't happen. We'll see, right? So for those folks, usually that's coming from this deferred place, right? Where there had been hope at one point, and, and maybe there was a string of miscarriages, right? And now I, I don't want to hope because it's too painful. I don't know if I have it in me to hope, right? Having done all the stand, I still stand. I don't know if I can anymore, right? So that's, that's the depth oftentimes as well where that's coming from. It's not always just like a careless I hope so or I'm just lazy with my faith, right? But it's a I've been deeply hurt and it is a huge risk for me. It takes an intense amount of courage and bravery to choose to hope right now. And I don't know that I have that in me in this moment, right? So I would always just be kind because we don't know what people are walking through and extend grace, okay? Now, the word heart in the passage here from Proverbs embodies not only the mental or emotional core, but the whole inward person, okay? And our inner world is made up of our mind, our will, our emotions, right? And if something makes the heart sick, what that means is it's causing despair and affliction. The Good News translation actually says, when hope is crushed, our heart is crushed. That's why the word is also saying, guard your heart for out of it flows the issues of life, right? When we allow ourselves to be crushed so intensely, it's really hard to recover from that and to heal from that and to uh, forgive, right? And to release the heaviness uh, of things that could have in some cases been avoided, right? So that's where that verse comes from as well. It's not throw up a huge wall and protect yourself, right? But it is be aware and, and act in wisdom so that you are guarding your heart. You're guarding what gets planted and stored up there, right? When hope is crushed, the heart is crushed. So that is saying hope deferred can lead to depression, anxiety, and actual physical sickness, dis-ease, right, in the body. When we wait for a good thing for so long that desire and expectation turn to hopelessness, we can become spiritually dried up and vulnerable to the enemy's attacks. So this is something that is important to have in your awareness because you better believe that the enemy wants to distract you. He wants to steal your hope, right? He wants to crush it. He wants to destroy your hope so that you can't activate your faith and you can't live the John 10, 10 fullness of life that God promised you, right? Dashed hopes sicken the heart. And the higher the expectations that we have, the greater the frustration. So sometimes we get to a place where we're like, well, I just don't even want to expect anymore. I don't even want to get my hopes up, right? There's too much at stake. Like, I don't even want to do it anymore. I've seen that movie before, right? It's cost us so much that we think it's going to cost too much to do it again, okay? And while getting what we desire can be an excellent thing, we must not allow the pursuit of fulfillment to become a temptation to sin, waiting on God, waiting, right, in between the vision and the manifestation of the promise is an opportunity to trust God and allow him to work in our hearts and strengthen our character, okay? This is coming from Romans 8.25, but if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently for it, right? Those who are certain of an outcome can afford to wait 
and wait without anxiety. That's actually from A Course in Miracles, not the Bible, but it's another way to say this verse, right? We ought to see these long stretches as opportunities to turn to God and depend on him in our weakness. Our unfulfilled desires and our deferred hopes can lead us to rich encounters with God, right? If we choose to see it that way, we can really grow in our relationship with God. The Lord is good to those who hope in him. To the one who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. That's Lamentations 3, 25 to 26. And the Lord alone is the true fulfillment of our longing. So if we keep that clear in our heart and sure and stable in our heart, then we can get through the waiting very differently. We can actually grow and learn in the waiting. Okay, so when hope is deferred, if that's maybe where you find yourself right now, the, the key here is to hope in God. Place your hope back in God alone, right? And then you won't be dis- disappointed for he is strong and trustworthy. He is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. That's Hebrews 6, 19. So hope deferred. And, and this is something that I don't often hear talked about. But typically when we pray for change, that's one of those like praying for patience, where pe- which people are like, like careful with that one, right? Like you're usually just going to get more opportunities to practice patience when you pray for it, right? So you're going to have more things that frustrate you (laughs) and you have an opportunity to try on patience, right? Well, it's similar when we pray for change or when we pray for a promise, right? God brings disruption to stimulate innovation, right? So typically on our own, we wouldn't change, right? But when we pray for change, things are disrupted. Things are, are, are being tested, right? And that is how we actually grow and we evolve, but that doesn't feel good. And we, we don't always like that at all. <laughs> so while I was studying Zechariah today, there, there's some things that I thought were important. So the book of Zechariah itself, Zechariah as a name means God remembers. Okay. So it's really encouraging that God would in this book, remember his promises to his people, even after all the time they spent outside the land, right? And there's a lot of prophetic messages throughout this book. And what this is showing is that it is common <laughs> that we we struggle with discouragement, that we face discouraging things, right? And while this book does contain its share of judgments on the people of Judah and beyond, It overflows with hope in the future reign of the Lord over his people. And so what this is holding up or what I I gathered from it is that it's easy to get caught up in oftentimes depressing events of day-to-day life. The life that we're living today, it is not hard to find things that are depressing, right? So in that case, if we are constantly exposed to that, we can lose our perspective and live as people without hope. So the book of Zechariah in general is serving as a correction for that tendency in our lives. We have a hope that is sure, and that is something that we can choose to embrace and something that can constantly refresh us, right, as a solid foundation, okay? So in Zechariah, it's actually in Zechariah 9.12, it talks about the prisoner of hope. The actual verse from Amplified says, return to the stronghold of security and prosperity. Amen, right? You prisoners of hope, even today, 
do I declare that I will restore double your former prosperity to you. Amen, right? (laughs) But that's a command, right? Return to the stronghold of security and prosperity. So, you know, a self-check question right now might be, where are you currently looking for your stronghold of security and prosperity? Where do you go for safety and security? Where do you go for prosperity? What do you put your hope in, right? Because if it's something other than God, it shall move, right? That That's not a stronghold. It's probably a loose hold, right? <laughs> so it's talking about prisoners of hope there. We must allow ourselves to be captured and filled with hope. We must think hope and we must talk hope, right? When you face a seemingly hopeless situation, that's when you need hope. <laughs> Remember that in God, you are a prisoner of hope. There's no way to get away from the hope that is in him. So it is someone, a prisoner of hope. It is someone who refuses to stop hoping in God, no matter how bad his or her circumstances are. Abraham was such a man. We learn from God's word that all human reason for hope was gone in what Abraham was facing. And it says, uh, Abraham hoped on in faith that God's promise would come to pass in his life. That's from Romans 4.18. So even against all hope, right? He chose to hope on anyway (laughs) by faith, right? He even had to activate his faith to activate his hope. Okay, and this is a heart attitude. Godly hope, right? That's a heart attitude and it's a springboard for our faith. And it sounds simple, but I think I can say real hope is a constant positive attitude that no matter what is happening currently, things will change for the better. God will perfect all things concerning me. God will shift things in my favor and work them for my good, right? It's only the enemy that tries to crush this hope, but he cannot defeat a person who refuses to stop hoping in God. Abraham refused to give up on hope. And just as God had told him, he did become a father when he was far too old to father children. That's how powerful hope is. It opens the door for the impossible to become possible. Hope opens the door for the impossible to become possible. All things, all things are possible with God, but we must cooperate with him by being hopeful and full of faith. And in that verse that I just read to you, God promises that he will restore double what we have lost or had stolen if, if there's a contingency, we will stay hopeful. It does no good at all to be hopeless. It's like literally if you've seen or heard this visual before, you're chilling in a rocking chair, just you know, rocking back and forth. That's like worry. Hopelessness is the same way. We're just rocking back and forth and not progressing. We're just wasting our time, our energy. And that can lead to sin, right? Because not hoping when we can hope, when we can be strong and courageous, right? We're choosing to be self-centered and self-focused and not to hope when we have a good reason to hope, right? Hopelessness is a good reason to put on hope. (laughs) It doesn't feel like it. It's never going to feel like it, but it's a great reason to do it. It only makes us unhappy when we're hopeless, critical, and grouchy. Hopelessness leads to depression and many other problems. That's why you want to catch it early. It's not something that's just simple sounding again. This is something that is 
imperative to your thriving, imperative to how you progress and how you move forward. And if you ignore it, if you just dismiss these opportunities to activate your hope, right, then it can lead to these other problems that are much harder to get out of. So the encouragement from Zechariah is to not become discouraged and not go into a pit of despair, but to become a prisoner of hope. Be the kind of person who absolutely refuses to be negative and get ready to receive a double blessing for your former trouble, okay? So think about that. The encouragement today is to think about that when you're facing times and circumstances that feel like they've gone on so long and you have no reason to hope or when you're catching yourself constantly in this attitude of discouragement and anxiety and depression, right? Usually we're drifting when that starts to happen and that's a time to get back into the presence of God and put your hope back in him right? It was a problem for me when I put my hope in this person, right? It was a problem for me when I put my hope in this idol. It was a problem for me when I put my hope in this circumstance or in this situation, but I'm going to put my hope back in God because yes, from my vertical sight, (laughs) right? I am seeing things that are extremely discouraging, but I need the, from my horizontal sight, I'm seeing things that are discouraging, but from my vertical vision, right? Which is not what I see with my eyes open, it's what I see with my eyes closed, I am seeing clearly from God's perspective that there is reason to hope and that's what I'm choosing to activate, right? So I'm not gonna go off what I see with me. Okay, and then the other thing that I do wanna hold up that I do believe Zachariah really holds up well, there's two things. One is that we are to live by the Spirit, not by power nor by might, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. So if you've ever been frustrated because you've been in this in-between, in the in-between from believing it to walking in it, right? You feel maybe like you're doing everything that you know to do and everything that is right, but no matter what you're doing, nothing is working. We certainly have all had times like this, and I believe that it's much more common than we think, right? But after many years of being frustrated, (laughs) you would think that we would also learn to place our trust in God rather than ourselves and our own efforts, right? And sometimes it takes a lot of disruption for us to do that. However, God's word refers to us as believers and our job is to believe first. We usually think we should just be doing and achieving and hustling and 10xing and all the things, right? But if that were the case, we would be called achievers instead of believers, right? We're certainly responsible to do certain things as inspired by the Spirit and live a Spirit-led life, right? But we're not meant to do just all the good things. We're here to do the God things, the the God-inspired things that we're being led to do. We're here to obey those, right? But most of us go far beyond our, our God-given responsibility and try to do things that God only God can do. And we end up getting frustrated, okay? What needs to be accomplished in our lives and circumstances is not going to happen by might or power on our part, but it will be done by the Spirit of God as we place our trust in Him. And that's actually coming from Zechariah 4.6. So God is giving us the Holy Spirit as our divine helper, It's the Holy Spirit who enables us to do what we need to do, and he does what we cannot do. We're partners with God, and I talk about this a lot in my uh, second book, God's Vibes Matter, co-laboring with God. So that really is, 
learning that dance with God, learning God's rhythm for yourself and personal experience and really how to do your part and let God do his part and see experientially, know by personal experience what that is like for you. So our part is to trust God and do whatever he leads us to do. And his part is to accomplish what only he can do, what needs to be done in our lives and work on our behalf, right? God works mightily on our behalf. But God is not going to do, this is the thing, God is not going to do our part and we cannot do his part. So that's one of the most important lessons we must learn unless we want to be frustrated in our life a majority of the time, okay? And that is connected to hope. And I hope you can hear this, (laughs) that when we are receiving divine wisdom and inspiration, we take the steps of faith and then we actually see God do his part, that that makes us amped. Because when we face something that's impossible, we're like, well, that's not my part. I'm going to do this because God's leading me to do this and I'm going to release that to him. So a great example of this is stepping into a new vision, right? But where God gives the vision, he also brings the provision, right? But that could be a faith step in the first steps, right? Like I have no idea where that's going to come or how it's going to get to me, but God gave me this vision. So I'm going to put that on him. That's his part. I'm just going to do my part, right? So I'm going to choose to be hopeful. I'm going to choose to be expectant. I'm going to walk out in steps of obedience, what he gave me and trust that that other stuff will come, right? And as you start building a track record with God, you start to see how he does the miraculous because he can trust you to take those steps of faith, right? It's almost like your blessing is out ahead of you and you've got to walk towards it, right? But you can't see it in the, in the natural. It's just out ahead of you in the supernatural. And it's on you to be walking towards that, right? And then when the time is right, the Lord will make it happen. So think about that when hope is slipping, right? So there's the hope deferred situation, which is an extreme end. There's another situation where it's just hope is slipping, right? And you just notice that you begin to feel frustrated And that's usually when we're trying to make things happen, right? I just don't even like the word trying in general. Like, don't try, just do what you're led to do. And that's enough, right? Like, remove all the gray in between petty stuff, right? Just just do it. Don't try. Just do what you're led to do (laughs) and let that work, right? But we usually get frustrated by trying to make things happen by our own efforts. And we stop just fully trusting God, okay? And then as soon as we self-check and get our trust back where it belongs, that is when God, right, is able to take over. And this is what Jesus said. If we labor and are heavy laden and overburdened, we should come to him. He says that in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. He put it very, very simply, right? And we need to very simply do what he said. What needs to be done in our lives will not be done by might or power, but by the Holy Spirit. Okay, in that case, we are an anointed instrument of God. God can flow through us. We can represent God to the world where he leads us and guides us to do so. But it's not going to be by our might or by our power, right? It's almost like we just catch a wind. We catch God's grace, right? We just catch God's alignment. We catch his momentum and he carries us through something. We didn't have the vision for that. We didn't even probably have the full faith for that. We didn't know how that was going to come to pass, but God carried us, right? Or we could be facing a really big challenge that we have no idea how we're going to get out of, but God carries us through and he grows and develops us in the process. It's phenomenal, right? But hope is what allows you to endure and and really learn and grow 
and gain and receive all of that wisdom and development, right? So this is the second part. Small things lead to big things. We, we like to believe all the big things are the worthy things, but it's much more your faithfulness in small things that determines how you will handle big things. And we can often get that twisted. So Zechariah 4.10 is talking about this as well. The day of small things, okay? And these days are usually the days that are easiest to despise when we first get started with something. When we, you know, are enduring long nights and crazy schedules and tasks that are exhausting, right? It can feel really frustrating because it feels like we can just be doing, doing, doing and showing up and showing up and showing up, but we're not getting anywhere or we don't see the value of that. We don't see the impact of that. You know, in this day and age, a lot of people would say on social media, well, I'm posting every day or I'm connecting with all the humans or I'm, you know, making all this content, but I'm not getting any feedback and nobody's engaging with me. And that's actually a time of preparation (laughs) and it's a time of faithfulness, right? Can God give you a platform? Can God trust you with a platform? right? Will you work what he told you to work even when you're not getting any engagement? Or will you give up after a couple months? Like, where are you at on the faithfulness spectrum, right? I really think that a lot of what's out ahead of us, it won't become the the great, you know, ministry or business or project that it becomes unless we are faithful in these smaller things in the very, very beginning and are able to be faithful enough to press through early hardships and early struggles, right? Eventually, we just break through, you know, this this wall and then we can ride momentum. But in the beginning, it can seem really, really challenging, right? But it actually says, Um, that God anointed David to be king long before he actually became king. And David was tested in many ways while he waited. Okay, we can learn from that story so, so much. So if you go read about David, you can see all the ways that he was tested and see how are you at? (laughs) Where are you at in your faith journey, right? Patience, this is the, the real talk, right? Patience must be tested. Humility must be manifested and faith must grow. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, right? Only after, this is the nugget that I hope you hear, only after we pass our test do we get promoted into the next level of what God has in mind for us. We have one thing in mind, and it's usually completely different than what God has his mind has in mind. Usually with God, it's, it's greater than we dare ask, think, or imagine, but that also means it requires more of us than we could think or imagine. We've got to think differently. We've got to manage our emotions. We've got to check our heart, right? We got to check our character and our intentions and our motives and the attitudes of our heart. We got to check our obedience and our consistency and our integrity. There's a lot going on, right? As we move through different levels that we need to be able to pass our test to get promoted into the next level of what God has in mind for us so that we can sustain that level and that won't crush us in the process. And usually what I've seen too, especially in the field of work that I'm in, is that people give up in the hard times and they never get to enjoy the fruit of all of their labor because they give up too fast, right? Starting an endeavor, that's easy actually because you have the emotion and you have the excitement and you have this passion, right? But you haven't even faced tests yet. And usually you get hit with one pretty quickly. Usually after you make a decision, it you get hit with a test, 
right off the bat. Are you ready? Are you sure you're ready? Right? Usually when somebody, for example, a young kid riding a bicycle or taking the training wheels off for the first time, they fall. <laughs> but are they going to get up on the bike and like keep trying or is that it? They're never going to ride the bike again, right? Starting an endeavor is easy, but finishing it is much harder. In the beginning, we're excited and usually people give us all kinds of enthusiastic support. But as the days go by, as the years go by, great and glorious becomes a matter of daily consistent hard work. And often we are left with nobody to urge us on except God and ourselves. And this is where hope really comes into play. Hope is the foundation. We keep coming back to hope. That's why in Habakkuk it says, write the vision and make it plain. Make it plain because when you're facing frustration, when your hope is slipping, right? When you feel like you're not getting anywhere, when you forgot the value of what you are showing up for every day, right? When you put your hope in the wrong place, there's many things that can shake us, but we've got to get back to that foundation of hope that encourages us, that motivates us to take daily consistent hard work steps, right? Even when nobody sees it, nobody gets it, nobody has to. You are the one that's been given the vision, right? You are the one that needs to walk it out. So that is when we have to decide when we are going to see it through to the finish. That is when we have to realize everything we are going through at the moment will one day pass and we will enjoy the fruit of our labors. In the meantime, we need to enjoy where we are while we are on the way to where we are going and be sure to appreciate the small things. When you look at your life, it usually is the small things that we remember and the small things that we wish we did more of, right? And the small things that we wish we showed up for. Those are usually the big things, right? But if we let the world teach us, if we let the world instruct us and guide us, if we put our hope in the world, we will be disappointed, right? And it will not fare well for us. So my encouragement from Zachariah, if you've not read this book, go back and read it. <laughs> it reminds us to be a prisoner of hope. And again, that is somebody who refuses to stop hoping in God, no matter how bad his or her circumstances are. That's when you need hope the most. Amen. Right. So it talks about being a prisoner of hope. It talks about being led by his spirit as the antidote to living in frustration. And it talks about being grateful and embracing the small things because that is how we build. We build by doing the small things well. That's where character is built. Character is built in the daily consistent actions that we take and the daily promises that we keep to ourselves and the ways that we we show up and the ways that we clean up our inner world, right? And the way that we just remain faithful, right? If we can be faithful in the small things, we can be faithful with more, right? He who is faithful with little is given much, right? But we have to actually understand the value of what we've been given so we can steward it well, number one, but also so that we can understand the weight of what we carry, the weight of God's glory and the weight of what we walk in, right? So I hope this message encouraged you. I want to leave you with this thought. It actually comes from a spiritual mentor that I love, Steve Backlund. He says, any area of your life that does not glisten with hope is under the influence of a lie. And I just love that so, so much whenever I am in a mood <laughs> or, you know, I, I catch myself slipping. I'm like, whoop, like what lie am I believing? What lie am I believing? And how can I get back to the truth like ASAP, right? I'm going to call a timeout and get back to the truth ASAP. So that's my encouragement to you on today. Read the book of Zechariah. 
put back on your hope. If you put it down, put it back on. If you catch yourself slipping, catch the lie and replace the lie with truth and speak it out of your mouth. There are so much, there's so, so much power in our words. It's not enough to just read it. It's not enough to meditate on it. You've got to speak your world. You've got to speak it into existence. All right. All right, humans. I hope this message blessed you. If you want to do more of this work, visit julianapage.com. There are different books over there. They're not in any particular order. So you can just read the book that speaks the most to you and go grab that. There's also a self-mastery course. So if working on your inner world is something that you've put off long enough and you've got to dive into it and do the nitty gritty work and just clean house so that you can really do the work of stewarding well what you've been given and really step into more creativity in your life, check that course out. It's called U 2.0. It is a self-mastery course. It can be done in six weeks so that it can fit into your world. You can also crash course it, do it in a weekend if you want, (laughs) but that is a good resource. And there's also different coaching programs there as well. So go check out julianapage.com. There are also new books coming out soon, sooner than you expect. So if you have not subscribed to my newsletter, fill in that little pop-up that comes up on the site when you first log on, and that will be where I will send out those first reminders to pre-order. So make sure that you go check that out. All right, guys, until next time, stay blessed. 